In late breaking news, the search for the long lost remains of King Richard III in Leicester, England, has turned up traces of what may be the church where the slain monarch was buried. Leicester University archaeologists announced just uh, at the end of August that their excavations in a city council parking lot have turned up traces of the medieval Greenfriars Church where Richard III is thought to be buried. This uh, news item reminded me of Richard III's end as well as the politics of yesterday and today. The king was preparing for the 1485 battle against the army of Henry, Earl of Richmond, to decide which contender would rule England. On the morning before the conflict, Richard's groom took his horse to a blacksmith, but the blacksmith was short one nail to complete the job of reshoeing Richard's horse. Rather than wait, the groom left, hoping that the shoe would hold without the last nail. Once in battle, Richard galloped toward his retreating soldiers to encourage them to fight. But the horse's shoe flew off, and as the horse stumbled, Richard was thrown to the ground. Seeing his troops retreat, he waved his sword and shouted the lines immortalized by Shakespeare, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. Moments later, Richard was dead, and the fateful day is remembered in George Herbert's nursery rhyme. For want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, a horse was lost. For want of a horse, a battle was lost. For want of a battle, a kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. Uh, The unintended consequences of things as small as one nail. This memorable scene is a reminder that, although most often insignificant, one action, one word, one kindness, one missed opportunity, even something as inconsequential as one nail can make all the difference. So often I have heard the rationalization One person can't possibly make a difference. The recollection of battles lost over one nail provides a sense of urgency that we might not attribute to one seemingly inconsequential occurrence. Nitzavim, this week's Torah portion and the reading for Yom Kippur, helps a worshiper understand the power of one. One word, one action, one rationalization by admonishing individuals to make simple choices, life over death, blessing over curse. This instruction which I adjoin upon you this day is not too baffling for you, nor is it beyond your reach. It is not in the heavens that you should say, who among us can go up to the heavens and get it for us and impart it to us? Neither is it beyond the sea. You should say, who among us can cross to the other side of the sea and get it for us? and impart it for us, that we may observe it? No, the thing is very close to you in your mouth and in your heart to observe it. This passage emphasizes how a well-chosen word 
can create blessing by a simple act of reassurance, a kind word spoken by a teacher to a student that bolsters his confidence. It is a gentle word spoken by a husband to a wife that turns icy silence into a moment of reprieve for a fallen relationship. It is a word of encouragement spoken to a fearful child that fortifies him to meet the challenges of his world. It is a commitment given by an employer to an employee that makes him work harder because he feels appreciated. It is a call which reprieves years of estrangement between family members or friends. The previously cited verse ends with the declaration, Ki karov hadavar elecha, the word is very close to you. The word is close to you. Karov means more than just very close. It also means inside or within, as if it were the embodiment that we should be carrying with us. The power of one word is in our power until it is uttered and then it takes on a life of its own. The converse is that try as we may, we cannot hit cancel once it is uttered or sent, as Carl Sandburg reminds us. Look out how you use proud words. When you let proud words go, it is not easy to call them back. They wear long boots, hard boots. They walk off proud. They can't hear you calling. Look out how you use proud words. With the approach of this penitential season, Sunday night, the new year provides a reminder that words should be taken to heart by both the speaker and the listener. Nitzavim instructs that just one word spoken in haste or with care has the power to harm or heal. As the following amusing story illustrates, a doctor moved his practice to a larger office. Much to his surprise, he received congratulatory flowers from colleagues with a card that read, Deepest Sympathy. When the embarrassed florist called the doctor to apologize for his mistake, he realized that the flowers and card intended for the doctor were accidentally sent to a funeral, along with the message, Congratulations on your new location. <laughs> this uh, mishap characterizes those most embarrassing moments in which just one word spoken in error, sent into cyberspace with the push of the send button, even without the intention to damage or hurt others, can destroy relationships or lives. Nitzavim comes from the fifth book of the Torah, Devarim, frequently translated as Deuteronomy, a Greek word that actually means second law because it is a retelling, actually, of Exodus. Because it is this recapitulation of previous books of the Torah, but the literal meaning of devarim is words. Yet another reminder that every word has a power all its own. Jewish tradition claims that God began creation by calling 
creation into being with just one word. And the law was created simply by reciting the silent first letter of the Hebrew word Anochi, I, as in I am the Lord thy God. <clears throat> and as a result of this, for centuries, Jewish scholars intensively studied every word in the Torah in order to find both the obvious as well as the hidden meanings and the nuances of the text. Words are elements to wrestle with, to discover the inherent tension, the tension that provides subtle meaning. Each one is important and should not be overlooked, especially when spoken. The Midrash teaches that we are created with one mouth and two ears in order that we listen twice as much as we speak, in order to prevent hollow, empty, vacant words spoken without meaning, as illustrated by the following anecdote. A newly ordained rabbi was preaching his first sermon and was quite nervous about that, especially about the delivery and the content. As he tensely worked his way through his remarks, he noticed a well-known older colleague sitting in the last row smiling and shaking his head affirmatively at every thought that the novice offered. On the receiving line, the young rabbi chatted with the mature colleague. After considerable chit-chat, the young rabbi boldly asked the older colleague about his sermon. You were sitting there smiling and seemed to be enjoying my remarks. What did you find to be of particular interest? The gray-bearded rabbi thought for a moment and then answered, All my life I have pondered a question that I was never able to answer. That is, until tonight. It was your sermon that enabled me to resolve a troubling enigma. What problem is that? asked the young rabbi. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there are a series of contrasts. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to hate and a time to love. Each of these has a derech ha a midpoint. For example, the midpoint between a time to love and a time to hate is indifference. He continued, Until tonight I always wondered what the derech ha the midpoint, was between time to keep silence and a time to speak. And now I know what it is. What is it, the younger colleague eagerly asked. He replied, the midpoint between a time to keep silence and a time to speak is speaking without saying anything. Now the Republican and Democratic National Conventions are behind us. There's no, uh, no uh, relationship between my previous marks and what, I, what I'm about this, I can assure you. This, it just happens to be a coincidence. We uh, watch as party candidates use words in both measured and in cavalier ways. They are for sure aware that every spoken word will be parsed and dissected. Nevertheless, we hope that they will be mindful of the power of promises, the promises that they utter. We, the public, of course, are a bit skeptical and wonder how much of what we hear 
will be believable and how much will be deliverable, especially once the election is over. How much will the cascade of promises and pledges simply be sweet talk, words dispensed without the intention to ever deliver? As we consider the candidate's words, let us also be mindful of our own use of dvarim, of words. The words in this week's Torah portion also will be heard in synagogues throughout the world on Yom Kippur, just two weeks away. Hadavar, the davar, the word is very close to you, in your mouth and in your heart. Therefore, let the psalmist be our guide when we speak. O God, guard our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceitful speech. Amen.